Super Talk Mississippi media production. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. I hope you're having a great day. This is the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. You know, I had the opportunity next week to to be sort of the welcome speaker for the One Coast Awards. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to issue a bit of a challenge, but I'm excited about the One Coast Awards. It's something that that I had the, the honor of starting when I was publisher of the Sun-Herald back in 2002. I became publisher in 2001. We started the, the, uh, the awards in 2002. And then, of course, uh, so along the way, uh, after I left, they sort of handed them off to the uh, chambers along the coast, and they continue under the new banner of One Coast. And and one of the things that I'm going to share, I'm sure uh, several lessons that I've learned from doing business in multiple states. One of the lessons that I'm going to share, though, is that we're very lucky that we have here in coastal Mississippi, we can always have more, but we're lucky that we have a, a growing cadre of young entrepreneurs that are literally willing to bet the ranch. That I, when I say that, I mean it seriously. That they're investing millions of dollars in coastal Mississippi. Um, when I think about that, I can't help but think. And one of one of the segments that I share, I share some segments with with from my past shows. And one of the segments that I shared was w- with uh, Rick Carter and Terry Green when they were talking about when they went to buy the original boat. That was the pride of Mississippi that ultimately became, as we all know now, uh, Island View. But it was the journey. That journey was such an incredible journey. And uh, it's just, a, it's just a, a great story about the kind of commitment that they had to make and the work that they did. Rick's in London and he's waiting to, to hear from Terry if they've got a, a loan approved or not. And one thing, you know, all the story turned out w- wonderfully. But you get a sense that in that moment that they really have bet the ranch. They had to ranch that their vision could become a reality, and they made it happen. But we're lucky in Coastal Mississippi. One one of the one of the most popular shows that I've done, and since I started Coastview, was with uh, Jordan and Field Nico from the Nico Restaurant Group. And you'll exp- we'll explain this in just a second. That I actually told Jordan that he needs to change his name from Nico Restaurant Group to maybe Nico Development Group or something because they're, they're they've gone way beyond just doing restaurants. But they're betting the ranch in coastal Mississippi. And I had a, the show with, with Phil and Jordan. And then I had a show with Jordan where we could update on what's happening literally across the coast. Uh, and now I get the pleasure of welcoming his brother, Phil, to the table. And, I, you know, I should point out, Phil, when we did the original show, I think you were 24 and he's 30. So I guess you're 25 now and he's 31, if my math is right. But uh, it's amazing you guys have accomplished so much in such a short period of time. But welcome to Coach Fee, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me, and looking forward to a good show. Yeah, so where are you sitting right now? I was sitting in the brand-new restaurant here in Biloxi, right here looking at the ocean view, and right between Mary Mahoney's and the Bow. Um, we, did, we just opened here this Friday, so we've been cranking a little bit. We've been waiting for about two years to actually open this. We had a hurricane come through. The structure kind of messed up the building. 
We had to lift it up, build a new structure underneath, and then we finally did the fit finishing touches, and we're still doing a little bit of finishing touches, but we're, we're open. We're going to talk about that journey somewhat. And, you know, what's interesting from the people, you had the soft opening, and I've talked to some people, including my son Jordan, who, who went there with his wife, Sierra. Um, the, the, you're getting rave reviews. And what's cool about what you've done, first of all, and Bay St. Louis has been a proving ground for you as you as you built this brand, Field Steak and Oyster Bar, you've really been refining it. So when you decided, you thought about some other concepts uh, that would happen here, had some really cool ideas, for a matter of fact. And in, in the last show that you and your brother and I did together, you talked about that. But you decided to go with a true, tried and true brand that's really coming up really well in Bay St. Louis, the Field Steak and Oyster Bar. And you have no regrets at all about that. You're, that gives you the chance to kind of be successful from day one, doesn't it? It's too late to regret it. I already got my name my name on the building. <laughs> <laughs> that That is really exciting. So well, let's take a step back for a second because I do want to talk a little bit more about the journey on that particular historic building, et cetera. But I want to remind people a little bit about your journey. Um, you had a, you had a uh, you have a, a cool story that includes some time that you spent uh, with uh, working at Eleven Madison in New York City, which was really important to you. Uh, working with Ch- uh, Chef Jose Garces, uh, the impact that he had on you was very significant. But let's start with uh, you went to St. Stanislaus, you, you went to Ole Miss, you actually opened a restaurant and bar while you were in Ole Miss, and how, you could how old were you? I was 19. I had a little bit of help from my brother. Obviously, he was sitting in Bacchus and Gulfport. Um, I had managed those restaurants with my brother. We had Bacchus and Pastrana at that point, too. And then kind of not bored, but I was just going through the raise, and I, I wanted to do something more. And the, uh, I, was, I was only taking around 16 to 18 hours, so I wanted to do something more. And so I said, why not? Let's do a restaurant right here on the square. There's no good golf seafood there. And so we created a Bacchus up there. And then the original billups actually was from there and then i opened a place called rowdy rebs which came in with an investor we had a, we had a fun time and then there was a time period where i like i said i i felt like i was i was slowing down and i did not want to slow i wanted to keep going and so i talked to my brother about it he, he sent me off to new york and culinary school and then i worked at about eight restaurants up there and then i went over to philadelphia with jose garces and you go to rooftop tacos feel that that's kind of the concept there with i have a chef chef rachel um, she works with me, but we wanted to basically make Jose Garza's tacos and bring it down here to South Mississippi. It's really exciting. So let's let's remind people the the footprint of your restaurant group, starting with Bay St. Louis, and kind of take us across the coast. All right, so you have Fields in Bay St. Louis, and then you have Bacchus, the Deck, Phillips, and then Hotel Pastor Shan and Pastor Shan, and then we come all the way to Biloxi, and you have Phillips and Biloxi, Fields and Biloxi, and then you go over to Ocean Springs, and you have Chard and Rooftop. It's incredible. And then when you think about the developments that are happening that are non that are non restaurant in Pascagoula and Biloxi and Lord knows what else is on the drawing board. Ocean Springs. Uh, no, Ocean Springs is no rest for the weary, is there? No. Uh, a lot of do, a lot of that do is to my dad. He keeps us hard working and keeps us no, noble in who we are as people. Well, your dad is Kent Nico and he is the head of Memorial Hospital. And it's not like he hasn't had plenty to think about during COVID and the adjustments that were necessary as a result of COVID. But, uh, you know, obviously I've had him on the show before. I know him. He's a really smart guy. Uh, you know, you, you know, usually the, the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. But you guys have gotten, you know, you've gotten, uh, you've, you have an incredible work ethic. 
and uh, your mother uh, is, you know, deeply engaged in the community. Between the two of them, you've got great inspirations, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my, my mom is always calling me at 7 a.m. Even though if I if I cook in the kitchen till 1 a.m., she's always calling me, waking up and say, "There's rest for the weary. We're not gonna we're not gonna rest in this family. We're gonna keep going." Well, you know, I, I, it's just funny because the last time I saw you. I had my wife and I had gone over to Char's in um, in Ocean Springs, and we ate with uh, Josh Morgan, the top hurricane chaser in the world, who uses Bay St. Louis as a home base during the hurricane season, and then goes back to L.A. Incidentally, he's just signed a big big network deal, so he'll be doing a lot of broadcasting from the coast uh, this coming hurricane season. Hopefully he'll be joining me in the next week or two. But what was interesting is I didn't know that you had made your way to the to the kitchen. And as I was leaving, we bumped into each other and you were getting into a car and being shuttled somewhere else. But you were, you know, in the, in the wake of the pandemic, you guys sort of had an emergency operations plan in place where you were just shuttling to whatever restaurant you needed to be at to do what you needed to do. There was, I mean, there has literally been no rest for the weary during the pandemic has there it sounds it sounds like we're, we're a franchise group but we're nothing but family i i tell i tell all my restaurant groups as soon as we start one you're joining a family there's not there's nothing like going in you're going through the same steps this is not well we'll sit there we'll die for you we're, we're in you're in a team that's gonna take you for the long we're not we're not in for a one or two year time it's we want to go make the gulf coast mississippi the best thing they can be What's interesting about about what your brother Jordan was doing for you when you were at Ole Miss doing running those running those uh, restaurants there uh, was that he was your age then, and you were nineteen. <laughs> you guys, it's how do you what do you attribute how do you attribute to getting it at such a young age? Like I think like back to my my parents. A big shout out to them and other people around. Um, like we talked about Luann, she gives us inspiration. Denise Bauman gives us inspiration. Um, everybody around us keeps us going. If they're growing, I'm going. I'm growing. Ivan Spinner, he, he's, he's giving me great inspiration to just keep going. And eventually, you'll make it. And I, I don't know if we're there yet, but we're getting close, I hope. You mentioned my friend Luann. That's Luann Pappas from Scarlet Pearl. Uh, just a fine woman. We, I, My wife Ann and I had dinner with her recently. And just great to connect. And... See someone who's pure at heart, and she's a friend. It's cool that she's your I, friend. I love her. I can bring her to a meal, or we can go to a restaurant. She'll truly tell you what's what's on that plate, what she likes, and what's it about. If she doesn't like it, if she does like it, and that's what what actually helps me get these restaurants back in order and gets us going. She's a food aficionado. It's great to have a friend like that. Hey, we're having a conversation with Field Nico. And uh, we'll work our way toward the opening of the new restaurant in Biloxi. But we, we're kind of talking, taking a, a stroll down memory lane and giving you an opportunity to understand, you know, who he is. And uh, so anyway, we'll continue the conversation when we get on the other side. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Well, I'm so happy to be back on Coast View with my friend Phil Nico. 
And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the young entrepreneurs and not-so-young not entrepreneurs that are really betting the ranch on coastal Mississippi, one of, the, one of our learnings has to be that we work harder to make their world as easy as possible. <laughs> you know, because the truth is, if they're developing, I said this on a, on a recent show, that if they're developing in one city and it's difficult, and they're developing in another city over here that's really catering to them, trying to figure out how to, how to grease the skids and make it easier for them to work their way through the development process, that they may decide that they don't want to do business in that city that's not doing well. They didn't say that to me. I'm just, I know that's the reality from being publisher of the Sun-Herald and other newspapers, that uh, the cities that roll out the red carpet, that find ways to shorten the process and make it easier to do business are the ones who ultimately win in the long run. And we should do that all across the coast. We should make it, we should make it easy to do business for entrepreneurs because they could spend their money here or they could go spend their money in Oxford, or they could go spend their money in Nashville. They could go, you know, the, you get the point. There's a lot of competition for capital funds these days. Anyway, we're coming back to Phil Nico, who just opened his new restaurant in Biloxi, Phil's Steak and Oyster Bar. That's where he's sitting as we speak. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the journey to build that restaurant. But I wanted to, I wanted to continue the conversation of what really influenced you as you were growing up. And I'm, I'm really struck by the fact that your brother at the age of 25 thought it would be a great idea after you had already gotten some pretty significant restaurant experience at the age of 19 in Oxford while you were going to school there to send you to cul culinary school and then ultimately the opportunity to work at, at 11 Madison. When you look at look back on your time in New York City, how has that helped you in what you're doing right now? Um, definitely took my level of pride to another level. Um, and then it, it taught me these nifty tricks. Uh, Bohemian was actually one of the restaurants that feels like an oyster bar is kind of named after that, that Wagyu butter that we cook our steaks in. We put on top of our steaks. Comes to a restaurant called Bohemian on 57th Gray Jones and so in Soho, New York. A Japanese chef it taught me amazing things and taught me different ways of cooking. Um, and then stepping into 11 Mass with Daniel Hume, the inspiration of hundred people working in a kitchen together and creating one dish, one little part of a dish was crazy. Um, nothing I had seen obviously on the Gulf Coast. And now what I'm starting to hopefully bring down here is these chefs that actually care about what they're putting on these plates and making it not just good food, but natural view when you come to your plate, based on fire, popping caviar, natural view where, hey, I want to come back for the show, not just for the good food. Well, you know, Phil, what's cool about that is I had the opportunity to work for Advanced Condé Nast, you know, w w the largest privately owned media company in the United States. And uh, so I spent, you know, just about every month up there for seven, eight, nine years. And so when we would, we would go, usually they would pick restaurants based on the sommeliers. I know for people who don't know what that is, the, the wine. The wine selections in New York City are incredible. And if you've got great wine selection, you probably have an amazing chef. And of course, there's no there's no restaurant we went to where my uh, you know the people that I worked for didn't hadn't been to the uh, the the vineyard somewhere in the world, <laughs> literally somewhere in the world, and they knew the vineyard uh, and they had been there and they know the chefs and the chefs would always come out and eat and, and and greet us. But man, there are some incredible restaurants in New York City, and when you experience what the best of the best can do, not only in terms of service but the presentation 
their unique takes on uh, it's something as simple as a steak. Really, you pointed that out just a second ago with from the Bohemian experience that you had. But the but but there's so many different ways to do that. Such a creative thing. But once you do it well, people get a sense of what that is, don't they? I mean, people. It's like I don't. I may not necessarily be able to describe what a great wine is. I'm better at it than I used to be. But man, when I taste a great wine, I I can tell you that's a good wine. But people have that same expectation about food now. Once you present it to them in this incredible high level, you know, presentation, um, it's it's a way of separating yourself, isn't it? Yep, I, I meet with my chefs daily, and we don't talk about the food because the, the, these chefs have, have they know how to cook good food. It's more of when the hit, the plate hits the table, the show that's happening. It, I say, don't go after the parents, go after the kids because they're always going to be the ones telling the parents where to eat. <laughs> and so, yeah, when they, when they create a show at the table, the the kid or me is going to be like, wow, that's amazing. Or if you're going on a date, that's an amazing. It gives you topics to talk about. You're not just sitting there in blank stare. Well, yeah, hey, we should point out that you guys have a unique approach. In this particular case, you're there. You're there at, at your namesake restaurant. But you guys have an approach where you bring in, um, well, you spend a lot of time recruiting the best chefs you can get your hand on and giving them the responsibility to run run the uh, restaurant. Tell us a little bit more about that concept. So my concept is uh, obviously we're a younger group. We look for younger chefs who have a creative element. And basically, they weren't ever the head person, but we give them their own kitchen, their own their own space to work with. They work with me to get these jobs done. Um, and usually, it's a, it's a kid, not my, my age. I'm not calling myself a kid, but a kid my age. And we can work together as well as, I don't know, if he would show me something, I would show him something. And it's not more of a look down, I'm the boss. It's more like, yeah. hey, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, that's that's such a cool approach, man. I I like it. You know, I think about I've talked about this a lot on this show, but you think about the restaurant scene, certainly in Ocean Springs. But let's go to Bay St. Louis for a second because that's where you're you sort of develop your current concept that you're just opening in Biloxi. Go over there, and man, the evolution of the restaurant scene in Bay St. Louis. That's probably one of the reasons. I mean, I'm sure there are a list of other reasons why so many Louisianians want to move to Bay St. Louis, but. It is dynamic. It's competitive. You got to be on your game there, don't you? Oh, it's definitely developing. When we got there two years ago, to what it is now, is great restaurants are popping up all around. The restaurants that were there making way better food, and it's more of a family. I mean, Japanese every everywhere around us. We want to be with teamwork. It's not against a competition. It's more, hey, let's work together to get this Mississippi Gulf Coast growing and bring more people in from Louisiana, from Texas, everywhere around us, to make this place a, a better place. I never, I never will forget when I was in college uh, in, in a marketing class. One of the studies we did was what happens when you have a McDonald's sitting alone, and then what happens when you have a Burger King sitting alone, but then what happens when you have a McDonald's and Burger King sitting next to each other? And I know that's a very highly simplified thing, uh, you know, response to what you just talked about. But the point that it made, same thing in the casino industry, that when casinos are together. You know, they, they tend to complement one another when restaurants are near each other. See, my thought is people say, well, what's going to happen to Mary Mahoney's? Well, I think Mary Mahoney's is going to thrive. I think yeah. Fields is going to thrive. I think we're bringing downtown Biloxi something different and changing things up, but it, it's definitely working as a team and becoming one. Um, and, that, and that's what we're inspiring for. We, we're, we're a family-owned business, and we want to grow this city just as much as we want to grow the next one. 
Yeah, you got it. And then here, the Mahoney's family-owned business sitting next to you. Fofo Gillich and I, the mayor of Biloxi, and I talk about this, and he's on the show regularly. He's excited about the fact that you've got this. This because I mean, Biloxi, if you look at the economics of Biloxi, it's a little different than Bay St. Louis, obviously, because you have all these people that are coming into casinos, and then the casino they're wanting to maybe find some things outside the casino that we might be able to do. The notion of a walkable community in Biloxi, man, and and in one of the points, one of the points that Jordan made to me the last time we talked was that there was a point where there were other, there was some land available in downtown Biloxi. I don't even know if there's land available in downtown Biloxi anymore with, with what's happening there, with Joe Setz, the, the development there, and all this stuff that's happening. You know, Ground Zero Club, the the uh, walkability, it's, it's incredible, it isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and that, and that what I, when I, I like to look at the, the credit card receipts. Uh, our first week, more than 40% of our guests were from out-of-towners, and the walking traffic is starting to pick up here. There's just people walking by. And they obviously, this is a historical building. They obviously see it from the outside and they come in. It's they're, they're amazed. And that's one thing. I mean, I love about Mary Mahoney's here down here and uh, what we're creating Joe's Zets into that, that Billups over there. Um, it's crazy because they, they, they walk around and, and they don't have, and Pastor Sham is so divided, but we're trying to make it a walk around traffic. And Bay St. Louis, I mean, it's already there, just like Ocean Springs. And see, we already see. We know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, when you think about the feeder, I, I say like the, the it's like this artery feeder of people that's coming into the casinos. That combined with this whole live, work, place thing, people want to live, work, and play in a similar area with the evolving restaurants and mixed use facilities. Ivan Spinner's doing his development. You guys have done your development there. Uh, the amount of housing that's going to increase in in downtown area. I mean, I mean, this. I mean, it's it's it's, it's incredible, a, really. It's yeah. inc- you go you go look for. I have chefs coming coming in. I'm going to look for their apartments, and you can't you can't find any right now. It's and that's something. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really an incredible thing. What it's something we talked a lot about after Katrina. We talked a lot about this whole notion of mixed use because what had happened is the downtown areas. With somebody, I mean, obviously, this was not entirely the case of Ocean Springs. So Ocean Springs just took a great spot that they were at after Katrina, and they built on it. They, St. Louis, had the feel of this small-town community already. But as we know, they were kind of wiped off the face of the earth in a lot of ways and had to rebuild it. But that spirit was there. This notion that we had to kind of fight against people wanting to live in the in the rural areas and then wanting to drive to work. But that's all changing now. Young people today... They want it all. Hey, listen, when we come back, we'll pick it up from right there. I'll let you respond to that. I know that this is really important to you and your brother as you guys continue to do development. Uh, you want people to live downtown, bring life to downtown. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Field Nico. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. You know, one of the things that I've talked about a lot, we're having a conversation with uh, with uh, Field Nico about his new restaurant that just opened up in downtown Biloxi. But one of the things I talk about is that 
every community fights this this gravity toward protecting the status quo. It's just you know, that's just you know sometimes you know planning commissions are set up to protect the status quo, and sometimes you know mayors are 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 elected to protect the status quo. But one of the points that I've always made, um, uh, Field, is that that if we if we don't fight that, if we don't fight that tendency, and every community in America has that tendency, that if we're not really focused on trying to 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 push up against mediocrity and try to raise the bar, I mean, really, I'll be honest with you, that our competitors and other markets hope that we will stay, you know, focused on protecting the status quo because. If, as long as we protect the status quo, we'll continue to have drain, brain drain. As long as we protect the status quo, we'll have people who live in the rural communities and not wanting to move in. You know, the truth is we're seeing a change in all that. And one of the points that I'm going to make next week at the One Coast Awards is that there is literally no trajectory in mediocrity. I mean, you in order in order to win, you have to have trajectory. And uh, and and so that's that's an important point. The other thing is that we have to fight complacency. Again, our competitors hope that we will be complacent. What I like about what the what the the uh, the Nico Restaurant Group is doing, and Jordan really emphasized this the last time we talked, was that he thinks about the kind of things that you know the, the friends that you guys have, you know, and 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 what would force them to have to leave friends friends you might have gone to Stanislaw with or to Ole Miss with, and. They, what, why do they leave? Why do they have to leave? What can we do? What's missing in the communities that might make young people say, you know what, I can actually work remotely now. You know, I want to, I want to, I'm going to live in downtown Biloxi, but what's missing? And you guys are really focused on that, aren't you? Exactly. We're, uh, like my brother, my brother's really good, has a good, good eye to it. Um, I have friends that, uh, I'll tell you, Craig Frigo, he, he loves, uh, Frigo Orthodontist, Chris Frigo, I'm sure you know. Um, he loves New York. He he won't he won't ever I don't think leave New York. But I think it's because of the culinary passion and what they do when it, when a play hits the thing. It could be maybe eight ounces of meat, but the work going into that is crazy. And what we don't have we have down here with more larger portions of putting and st- stacking plates. It, it's the difference of coming in and cooking. And trust me, it took me a little while when I got back from New York to start s- simplifying things and make, making them to where it's not just a little. Boosh, boosh, going in your mouth, more of a, a, a plate. An experience. There's, there's a, you know what I think, too, uh, just to kind of add to what you just said, is that with programs like Top Chef and other other competitive chef programs, because there's been this plethora of different programs that have emerged, that people are having a much more better appreciation for what it takes to run a restaurant now and what, what constitutes a good restaurant versus a really great restaurant. You hear that, too, don't you? Oh yeah, def- definitely. My, my mom keeps me updated on that on that every day. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool the way your family communicates with each other, kind of pushing each other to do to do well. Hey, listen, uh, this building that you're sitting in now is a historic building. Tell me a little bit more about it. So it's actually the old, oldest building in Bul- Biloxi, and I think if, when you come in the uh, restaurant, the back wall, we actually kept it open just so you could see what the standstill was built, and then. We've been working on this project for two years, like I said earlier, and just having this, o- this open, it, I, if you would have saw it six months ago, you, you would have looked at me and, and my brother and said, y'all, y'all are crazy. It's not open in that, it's not open in that week. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Rick Cavanaer, and he, he helped us out going, going, going and getting well, and even to a small, small leak right before the restaurant even opens. 
and, and getting uh getting that in and out and getting it open. Well, people have said, you know, and I and I've I've done I've built homes, I've done renovations of homes, I've I've done, you know, where you built half the home and kept half the home. I've done a little bit of all. But you know, generally though, when you buy a historic building like you guys did, it's a lot more difficult than if you were to start from scratch, isn't it? Definitely, definitely, and the uh, anywhere from having having a, a certain floor drain and building having to build up because of the hangers in the wall. We can't historical hangers in the wall. We can't go through. Um, it's a challenge, but we got we got it done. So when you look back, I mean, the there were setbacks along the way, but hurricane the hurricane probably set you back the most. Oh yeah, it it actually picked up the building and, and twisted it for about six inches to the right. So if you would walk on the, on the patio out there, you could definitely see. And upstairs on the third floor, you could really see. And so building that new structure underneath and allowing us to build actually the patios back was a grace, but definitely stopped it. So what, what I've heard from people, though, who have been there, they say, first of all, that the space is amazing. You know, the, the, you've got the, the patio space. Uh, you, you feel like you've kind of spaced out a little bit. When you, th when you see it in its final form, did it exceed your expectations, or did you did you meet your high expectation? What's your thoughts about it? I think we're we're still getting there. We we have a little bit more touches up. We got a little bit more of those bumps on the road, but I think give us about a month and we'll we'll clear that road out. So as far as how the kitchen is operating, you feel pretty good about it. Oh yeah, we have we have a great team. Uh, Chef Bailey Reardon, who uh, actually went to Ole Miss with me, and then went to culinary school in North Carolina. He's doing a great job with with us and creating these, these special elements to get the table more of the like i was saying great food but show, shows that's what uh people people love to see is you're not just sitting at a table having a casual conversation it's the food talking to you and inspiration you can see what the chef did hard work waking up at 6 a.m and creating a plate for you at 6 p.m so okay, let's just take it a little deeper so you take take one of your excuse me one of your one of your more uh popular dishes and describe so it to me yeah, I'm I'm big on that that wagyu butter. Like I was saying, we take our trimmings from our our wagyu, we render that down, and it comes to like a like an oil. You kind of press it in, make an oil, then I make a compound butter, which is a goo. And you, you kind of put a lot of herbs into it, and we kind of mix it all together. And we first off we freeze it, then we kind of mix it all together, and then we actually cook our steaks in this cast iron skillet, a little salt and pepper, garlic, thyme, um, in this cast iron skillet, and that's that that blob of it, look, it looks like a brown butter on top of your steak when you come eat. But that is the trick to the trade. I wish I'd get more into it, but then I, I, would, I don't know if I'd have people coming over here. They, they might steal my idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's, well, I tell you, though, I've gotten to know Wagyu batter because my friend Rick Carter raises uh, Wagyu. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've had the opportunity to taste it. For people who don't understand what makes Wagyu so unique, explain it to them. So it's the, the stress on the cows. There's not a lot of stress on the cows. And the marbleization of the fat is more of, individual into the meat not as not the rendering on the sides like a strip or a ribeye it's more of a the melty fat is so i mean it's in, in the meat yeah and what i what i would just what i would add to that is that when you're eating wagyu uh, a cut of beef whatever it might be the the fat is like smooth it's like it's a it's got a it's not you know, if you were to eat a steak that's kind of fatty, you feel like you feel the heartburn coming on as you're eating it because it's just really strong. It's really, it's yeah. very fatty tasting. But wagyu is not like that. It, it, when you described it as butter, it it is it is a smooth butterness to it. 
it makes it, it's, it, I don't know, man, whoever came up with this genetic, <laughs> this genetic alteration or whatever, it's incredible. At Bohemian Restaurant, I really worked with Wagyu um, and the, the different kinds of, not just A5, but the different kinds from Japan. And it's crazy. And they described the cow where the cow has no stress. It, it sits there literally in a barn, hand fed, massaged all day. There's no stress <laughs> on the cow. I think that's why the, the smooth butter affects what you get from it. Yeah, and and it's uh, I must also say it's a bit pricey, but good because it's rare, and you know, you're seeing Everything more of it these days. Yeah, of course, of course. Hey, listen, I'm curious about opening up a restaurant as we come. You know, we're still in the pandemic, but obviously the economy's back open. Everyone I talk to still is certainly not what it was six months ago, a year ago, in terms of employees, et cetera. But is that still a big challenge for you guys? Um, the challenge is still there, but like I said. More about joining a family, creating that. When you're opening a new restaurant, creating that family. Obviously, you got to have a mom and dad of the restaurant, and what we have a great team here that created that family, and with the wait staff, with the kitchen, um, and being around everybody. We don't have a big team, so we have probably about 15 people, not a big team, but creating that family where, hey, we're not just in this for myself. We're in this to make this restaurant great. And when the restaurant becomes great, the more money's made. And that's at the end of the day. I talk to my staff. I say, hey. I get it. We're here. We're at work. We're here to make money. But the only way we're going to do that is you you take passion in your work. You don't go through the wheels every day. You take passion. If you have something about how you want the fork set up, you come to me and if I think it's a great idea. Trust me, we're going to do it. I'm going to inspiration is what I live for. That is that is so cool. That is the that is literally living this whole notion of teamwork. You know, I mean, when when people feel empowered, when they really, really feel empowered, then they they want to make the 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 total business better so even if it's not in their direct area of responsibility they see something over here that could be better they feel like if they suggest it and that you take their idea and they and you move on it and the business is better that everybody wins together that's the that's the concept isn't it what i what i find funny is usually a waiter has two jobs and they'll they'll come over and they're like wow this is part of a family they'll actually quit their other job and come work for another one of the restaurants and that's what I find funny. And I'll, I'll go to that new that new restaurant because what I usually get power is in my GM and my kitchen manager. Their inspiration, the reason that they are there is because I see the hard work paying off. And them coming together, creating a thing. So you might be. I think my youngest manager is 21. She's over at Rooftop. She she kills it, and the hard work paid off. It, it kept coming. It's great to see that. We're talking to Phil Nico. When we come back, we'll have the final segment together. We'll see you after this break. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. So, welcome back to Coast View. And uh, when's the last time I said I love Coast View? I think probably yesterday, <laughs> but, but I do. I do. I love the show because it is an opportunity. I get inspiration from the show. And if I get inspiration, I know you get inspiration too. And what we were talking about during the break, it's just so cool to, to have these kind of offline conversations. But what, once you tap into the passion that drives someone like Nico, excuse me, like Phil Nico, um, it, it just flows. I mean, just so much to it, that, you know, so much excitement, so much, so much to be inspired about. And you realize that you know, certainly they gotta they gotta bet the ranch when they open a business like this, but then they gotta run the damn thing. And at the end of the day, creating this team environment, this ability to empower people to want to be part of something special, 
And you know what? Here, this is the cool thing again about having sort of proven the concept over in Bay St. Louis Field is that that when you're successful and your and your and your restaurant there's done extraordinarily well, <clears throat> when you're successful, the people who work there make more money. I mean, they 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 begin to understand that a rising tide lifts all boats. And then when they open the restaurant, when you open your restaurant in Biloxi, people know, whoa, 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 I want, I want to be attached to something successful. That's what you're trying to do. Isn't a, it? a shout out to my uncle Lloyd Nika, who is the GM over there. And he, when he walks in, everybody, everybody knows him. Bay St. Louis It's basically a small family. He's a married to Christy kid, small family, uh, Bay St. Louis resident. So everybody loves him over there. It's like walking in and seeing your best friend and, and having a good dinner. And that, and that's what comes down to is making making yourself comfortable in life and and having the great and enjoying it because you obviously everybody works works hard and when you go out to eat not being stressful coming into an environment that you like um a show creating at the table you can obviously see the passion going into the dish and then having that gm coming by and saying hey to you and see how the food is because at the end of the day y'all are a critic what we what we put our passion into we obviously want to know what happened we want to know if you're good or bad um and a lot of people are scared Tell us when they're at the restaurant. They don't realize that if it's bad, we want to know. We want to fix it. Obviously, we want. We're trying our best. If we have little niches that you have ideas, we're gonna take our pride off that. Well, what's field? What's what's interesting is that restaurateurs who don't get what you just said, they're not gonna last very long because the reality is that people are much more empowered to be critics today than they ever were before because of social media and the in the inter, interconnectedness. Of their, you know, their social groups, and and the reality is, if you're willing to respond to whatever that is, it's going to make you a better restaurant. And when you do, even if they might have been disappointed by some aspect of the experience, as long as you respond to it, most people you can't please everybody. And I, I tell you, I was in the business where, you know, newspaper business where, I mean, it, sometimes the, the people you could never please are the ones that took the most amount of time, but. But you have to spend you have to spend your energy doing it. It pays off when you take that approach, doesn't it? And obviously, you you can't help everybody's situation. And you you go against other people, you go with people. What what I pride myself is when I go in and I talk to my GMs, I talk to my kitchen managers. They get mad because somebody tells them, "Hey, this is how it's supposed to be happening." And I understand how it's supposed to happen. But when the dish comes to the table, if they want to put big lumps of crab meat on top of my special pasta. They're, if they're if they're willing to mess up the dish that I created and they want to add to it, hey, I'll do. Let's do it. I, I, that that's the thing that kind of drives me crazy because I'm a I'm a real health nut. So I'll order maybe a piece of fish or a piece of meat, and then I'll want this over on the side, and then somebody will say, "We can't do that." <laughs> and, and trust me, I, I see as a chef the, the passion going into the dish and getting messed up. I understand that their feel, but on the other side, y'all are our customers. We want to take care of y'all. We want y'all to become part of our family. We obviously don't want you to go eat other places, but we want you to come, come eat at our restaurants. So if we can help you, we're here to serve you. Hey, so Phil, let me, I, I, you mentioned a minute ago about your mom calling you at seven in the morning, even if you worked at one at, at, at night. But what are the, tell me about the crazy hours when you're opening a new restaurant. Uh, I mean, you basically live here uh, all all week or last week, me and uh, Bill Yaki, our GM, Ted Lunkins, he basically lived here. We, we were here at 6 a.m about probably 1 a.m. Just the little niches that you could think of. Um, sometimes we were just blankly staring at each other. Yeah, but uh, like I said, it'll, it'll pop in your head. Little things from, hey, 
is this rose gold silver going to going to stain or should we change it out and throw it all out um and kind of i don't know trying the dishes um creating that team like i said just those little aspects all link up to becoming one big other one big hopefully good restaurant well look here's here's the here's something i want to say to you i've had the opportunity i spent you know i was publisher in new orleans and mobile here on the coast and had responsibilities beyond that as I mentioned, I spent a lot of time in New York City. I've seen the best of them, and I've seen some some that probably were disasters in the making. But the the key to success, I don't care what you do, it's in constant improvement. It's in realizing that you there's no way you can ever know it all. It's a and and part of the part of the journey, part of what makes the journey exciting actually is the fact that that you realize you don't know it all, and it makes you thirsty to want to know more. You know, and and that's what you're doing, isn't it? Definitely, definitely a crazy aspect of hiring, hiring these chefs and them coming in and you and you wanted them to do it one way and then they wanted to do it another way and kind of coming to that medium and not realizing, hey, you don't know it all is definitely an aspect of my life that as I get older, it, it's growing on me and I'm not, I'm not always the right one and they're, they're always sometimes right. And so letting down your guard is and becoming that family, like I said, is basically what I want to create. I'm in for y'all's inspiration. I'm in for my inspiration. Becoming one, hopefully it's a great restaurant. Well, you're in your early 20s and you're figuring that out. I know people in their 50s that still haven't figured that out. So <laughs> power to you. It's going to be great to watch you guys. Hey, congratulations to you, my friend. Thanks for spending some time Thank with you. me this morning. Thank you. It's Don't been a pleasure. Me. This has been Phil Nico from Nico Restaurant Group, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.